the Synod on Synodality is the main event of our time, but two things have helped to really frame the Synod. The first is an aging Benedict XVI, who hangs on in good spirits, but who also knows that his time is short. And of course, Francis's ending of the Latin Mass, the end of Samorum Pontificum, Benedict's landmark work. According to one observer, the Latin Mass had to go before the Synod started. So let's take a look at Benedict and his recent statement about hoping to see his friends in heaven soon, as well as the end of the Latin Mass, and both of their relationships to the de facto Third Vatican Council, this nonsensical synod on synodality, because they're all connected. But first, I wanted to thank the patrons of this channel for their continued support, especially in these increasingly weird times. It really does enable the work of this channel to continue and to grow. If you want to join the supporters of this channel, you can do so through Patreon or Subscribestar for as little as a dollar a month, or through the old-fashioned mail or Subscribestar for a single one-time donation. It really does help this channel keep going. And please support the other content creators you like as well. Supporters of this channel get early access to weekend videos, plus access to a patron-only Discord server that I am frequently in, plus the occasional exclusive video or podcast episode. Thanks for the support, and back to the news. Benedict XVI is well aware that his time on this earth is drawing to a close. Out of basic charity, pray for his preparation, for we would all want some people to pray for us when our time comes. According to Cath.net, Benedict remains in good spirits, but is taking a realistic assessment of his remaining time. Quote, According to his private secretary, George Gonsfein, Benedict is still absolutely cheerful. His longing for heaven, indicated recently in a letter of condolence on the death of the Austrian theologian and religious Father Gerhard Winkler, cannot be interpreted in such a way that the former pope, quote, no longer has any desire to live. On the contrary, said the archbishop uh, to the Bild newspaper, Benedict XVI had written in a letter of condolence for his former professor, colleague Gerhard Winkler from Wilhering Abbey, quote, Now he has reached the afterlife where many friends are sure to be waiting for him. I hope that I can join them soon. The letter had made international headlines these days. The letter is, meant well and comes from the heart, Gonswein emphasized. At the same time, he added that the Pope Emeritus was, of course, consciously preparing for death. The art of dying well, ars moriendi, is part of the Christian life. Pope Benedict has been doing this for many years. Nevertheless, he is absolutely joyful, stable in himself, physical weakness, crystal clear in the head, and blessed with his typical Bavarian humor. End quote. Now, while I don't really trust Archbishop Gonswein much, I think it's safe to say that claiming that Benedict has lost all will is, is incorrect and frankly uncharitable. So please keep Benedict in your prayers. Benedict knows that his time is drawing short. Some have said that he has lost the will to live, which I don't think is true. If anything, his longevity is a testament to his willpower and to the grace of God. Many of us worry about what will come when he passes on to meet our Lord, for it seems obvious that the worst acts of Francis and the modernists seem to be waiting for him not to be among us anymore. We all thought some more in Pontificum would be safe until his passing, which turned out to not be true. But there are other excesses that could happen. But I want to focus on Samorum Pontificum, really, because Samorum Pontificum was revoked just before the launch of the Synod on Synodality. One priest writing over at the revamped and improved, in my mind, 1 Peter 5, noticed the timing and doesn't think it's a coincidence. Headline from that article. Priest. Did they suppress the Latin Mass for the Synod on Synodality? Now that may sound like speculation to some people, but I think it's worth exploring because in a weird way it actually makes a lot of sense. The priest begins by telling his readers that saying the Mass in general has deepened his faith on a personal level, and then goes into how he believes the future of the Church is in some way the traditional liturgy, including how the traditional liturgy must inform the Novus Ordo. 
it's a good but pretty standard take by the by Bishop Athanasius from Kazakhstan, and it's in keeping with the now dead hermeneutic of continuity. However, there are many examples of priests and bishops who have said publicly that saying the traditional liturgy has strengthened their faith and made them better shepherds for their flock. Then the priest gets to this, quote, Then along comes Pope Francis and Traditionis Custodis. After initial reactions of grief and scandal, the questions why and why now kept going around in my head. I was aware that Pope Francis had little regard for the liturgical tradition, but I thought he would wait for Pope Benedict to die to move against it. The motu proprio has an urgency about it. Pope Francis seemed to be impelled to get this over with. Then there was the announcement of the Synod on Synodality to figure out what Synodality means. The preparatory document in Vatimecum are replete with vague verbiage. Some commentators have remarked about the intentional ambiguity of some of the texts of Vatican II. This synodality is now ambiguity on steroids. In April 1975, Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge took control of Cambodia and declared Year Zero, a new beginning in building an earthly utopia. This seems to be how Pope Francis and his synod office see the Church right now. With this process starting, quote, We are called to abandon attitudes of complacency and comfort that lead us to make judgments purely on the basis of how things have been done in the past. The synodal process provides us with the opportunity to open ourselves to listen in an authentic way, without resorting to the ready-made answers or pre-formulated judgments. See Vatimecum, uh, paragraph 2.3, end quote. Francis also said that we should not hang on to our rigid certainties, that all things are open to reinterpretation from the God of surprises, which the priest expounds upon. It appears, says the priest, that Francis wants a liturgy in keeping with the God of Surprises. Now, I'll get back to the priest's observation in a second here. Francis has spoken a lot about novelty and the God of Surprises over the years, but especially in light of the Synod on Synodality. As Novus Ordo Watch said on Twitter, quote, In his last two general audiences, Francis has been using the term novelty a lot, in a positive sense. Sounds like he's trying to prep minds for embracing novelty in what's ahead. Check St. Pius X's encyclical Pascendi for the word novelty and you get a different picture, end quote. And I decided to do exactly that, to check Pascendi, because it's been a while since I've read it all the way through. But novelty, what does novelty even mean? It essentially means thirsting for the new. It's more of his experiential claims, this weird fixation Francis has on that. This hunger for experiential theology is formally condemned by the Church. Here's what Pius X's landmark encyclical Pascendi says on novelty, quote, they, meaning the modernists, audaciously charged the church both with taking the wrong road from inability to distinguish the religious and moral sense of formulas from their service meaning, and with clinging tenaciously and vainly to meaningless formulas whilst religion is allowed to go to ruin. Blind that they are, and leaders of the blind, inflated with a boastful science, they have reached the pitch of folly where they pervert the eternal concept of truth and the true nature of the religious sentiment, with that new system of theirs, they are seen to be under the sway of a blind and unchecked passion for novelty, thinking not at all of finding some solid foundation of truth, but despising the holy and apostolic traditions. They embrace other vain, futile, uncertain doctrines, condemned by the church, on which, in the height of their vanity, they think they can rest and maintain truth itself. End quote. That sounds like Francis, to a T. Pascendi was Pius X's encyclical that formally rejected the heresy of modernism, and it's a pretty dense document. I do have a recording of it for anyone who may be interested. The priest at 1 Peter 5 links this all to Traditionis Custodis. The synod is eerily reminiscent of that post-Vatican II period where Paul VI warned of the smoke of Satan entering the church. Quote, Pope Francis wants a liturgy tailored to his god of surprises, and unsurprisingly, he has to restrict the traditional liturgy to accomplish that. 
the liturgical books promulgated by St. Paul VI and St. John Paul II in conformity with the decrees of Vatican Council II are the unique expression of the Lex Orandi of the Roman Rite. See Traditionis Custodis, paragraph 1. While the post-conciliar text can be used for a reverent and truly Catholic celebration of the mystery of faith, we know that their very malleability allows them to be used in ways that are denial of that same faith. This is one of the basic problems of the modern rites, but maybe it's here that they can serve the synod process. Remember, the Vatimacum called for listening, quote, in an authentic way, which means not, quote, resorting to ready-made answers or pre-formulated judgments. In other words, everything is up for question. This is where the God of Surprises fits in. He, she, it is not bound by the ready-made, the pre-formulated, the traditional. Traditionis custodis, its content, spirit, and tone, and the synod preparatory documents bring to mind Paul VI's words as he lived with the mess, with the less than good fruit of the Vatican Council. In December 1968, he said, The Church is now confronted with uncertainty, self-criticism. One might also say self-destruction, as if the Church were doing violence to herself. This was so soon after the Council's conclusion, a Council that has spoken of as a new springtime, the results of which resembled more a nuclear winter. With high-flown verbiage describing the synodal process, it seems the Church is doubling down on destruction. Is this the smoke of Satan that the same Paul VI spoke of in 1972? End quote. That smoke of Satan is at least partially novelty. During the Council and after, changes were made on the spot by some priests saying the traditional liturgy to bit better fit in with the spirit of Vatican II, the spirit of the Council. This only got worse after the new Mass was issued by Paul VI in 1969, when guitars and hippie hymns started to replace sacred music at the Mass, as well as liturgical dance and the rest of the liturgical errors that we all know and are so used to that they're not even worth recounting at this point. This was the backdrop that led to the founding of the Society of St. Pius X and the work of Archbishop Lefebvre, as well as the later original Pacamama event in Assisi in 1986. This smoke of Satan has distorted the faith and is the hallmark of the apostasy we see before our eyes now. As we head into a synod where the bishops themselves acknowledge that they have no idea what synodality even means, we only know one thing, from Francis's mouth directly. Be open to novelty, be open to his god of surprises be open to changing things, and that we must give up on our rigid certainties. To make that happen, to pave the way for it, the most rigid thing of all had to be abolished, the traditional liturgy, with many dioceses banning it outright, and while others cling on to it with the aim of waiting Francis out, Francis has said that he intends to end it altogether. He said as much in his the accompanying letter, which I have recorded for this channel if you want to hear it. Timing is not coincidental. The Synod is meant to be a Third Vatican Council, and as such, things may be unrecognizable after it concludes in 2023. Which brings me back to Benedict. The erstwhile pontiff is 94 years old. He has clung on for quite a long time, but at this point he could be done at any moment. Keep him in your prayers, and in addition to praying for his preparation for his own passing, pray that his eventual passing will not open the door to more evil from an unrestrained modernist bishop in white who sits on the throne of Peter. Do you believe that Benedict's passing could bring more woes to the Church? Many do hold to that, typically those who believe that Benedict remains a true sovereign pontiff. If you believe his passing will make things even worse, let me know in the comments, please. And as always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.